Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Life of Education podcast. So today we're here with Helen Tardin, which is the founder of Pilates Moves and Emergy Pilates. And yeah, you're our first Pilates person. Do you know that? Thank you for having me. Yeah, really excited. So do you want to introduce yourself to everybody um, a little bit about who you are and your history? And So my name's Helen Tardent. I come from Sydney, Australia. And I've been teaching Pilates since 1993, practicing it since 1988. And I've seen the industry go from... Can you just bring that microphone up slightly? Yeah, yeah, carry on. Great. And I've seen the industry go from a very small boutique, two studios in Sydney, to take itself into the fitness industry and the gymnasiums and completely flourish into... A, I suppose a whole genre of instructors that are more group fitness based now than studio based and I'd say that's the biggest change I've seen in the industry so what are the like I, don't, I know a lot about no let me change the exposure I've had to Pilates is more from a rehab background. Like I know some physios will take people through rehab uh, Pilates for core strength. But what's the origin? Like people kind of have yoga associated with meditation and, and India and Eastern culture. Where does Pilates get its sort of foundation from? Because I know there's an interesting you know, story about Joseph, Joseph Pilates. Jo- yes, Joseph yeah? Pilates. So just for people who have no idea, like me, what's the background <laughs> there? So... The background started with Joseph Pilates in New York and he, well actually going back further than that, his mother was a naturopath and his father was a a gymnast. So from a very young age he was brought brought up in a health fitness style uh, upbringing and he was quite sick, he had rickets as a child. So um, coming from there he spent... Uh, First World War interned in England and uh, while he was in England he boasts that uh, anyone he trained didn't get sick. They had an influenza um, pandemic uh, during the First World War Mm -hmm. so he boasts that nobody got sick underneath his training and tutelage and he then uh, went back to Germany and he was seeing what was going on, that sort of pre-Nazi World War II with Hitler. So he left there and uh, went to America. And from there he opened his first studio, Pilates studio, his, his own equipment, designed it himself. He made it all He made too, it all. Yeah. It's fascinating. What um, kind of equipment was it? So his most famous piece of equipment was called a reformer. And that is like for anyone who's never done Pilates or seen Pilates, it's like a bed and it's got some shoulder pads to stop you shifting at one end and springs at the other end and you lie on your back and you push the bed forwards and backwards. And just as the very first exercise that you might learn, you'll be doing a squat Mm -hmm. lying on your back. So interesting thing there is that uh, you can just by gravity change same muscles working but you can change how they're working so that when you stand up you might have better technique and I certainly found that with my ballet coming from a dance professional dance career that I would do Pilates exercises or exercises that I would normally do in a ballet class or on stage on my back on my side on my tummy and then 
within my first three classes that I'd done, my technique went through the mm-hmm. roof. I went from being a good jumper, that didn't change. I was a turner, that's spinning. Just so you guys all know, maybe you could tell them you were in the Royal Academy of Ballet. Uh, so I used to dance with yeah. the Royal Ballet Company. Yeah, in and the UK, which right. is obviously one of the most prestigious ballet academies in the world. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at the Royal Ballet School first. So within the first three classes, I already knew that I could turn well, but not as well as I would have liked. I could do two pirouettes well, that's, that's the spinning, and struggle to do three. And you really, as a trick, you want to be able to do three. Mm. So after three classes, I was doing four spins. And I was just, I just was, whoa, that was just extraordinary. So learning to do things on my back, same muscles, but from a slightly different gravitational pull, extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely extraordinary. And that's where my love of Pilates started. The results. Mm. So that was just a generic Pilates class? In those days... It was different, very different, It was very different. You learned a routine. You did that routine every single week with your Pilates instructor, perfecting, giving you cues to help you do things better, maybe slightly changing the weights. And then it was just a routine that you did. I didn't really learn much more than a specific routine that went for 55 minutes. Mm. So a particular sequence of exercises, which is now a traditional reformer repertoire? Actually, no. Uh, it was very different. I learned with it, Alan Herbman's. He's a very famous uh, Pilates instructor and instructor trainer in London. It was a combination of the reformer bed. I discussed uh, something called a Cadillac, which is a four-poster bed, mm-hmm. And mat work, which is on the mat with you and your body, and on an incline board. That was interesting. I've never seen one in America, so I I suspect it was something that was designed in England, but I I don't know. So it was like a platform that could go up by three notches and you would pull it and put it up on the next notch. And I've seen it twice in Australia. So just changing the plane of movement Mm. i know uh sorry to digress but i know recently i've seen a lot of people doing yoga on inclined platforms so they do exactly the same yoga sequence but on an inclined platform and it's apparently meant to be very different and it enables you to regress an exercise so assist an exercise or you can progress an exercise and make Mm. it vastly harder Mm -hmm. so i think in yoga you have an exercise called the plow where you lie on your back and you take your legs mm. over your, your head. In Pilates, that's called a rollover. If you do it on the flat plane, that would be your, your standard. If you flipped it around on an incline and had your head at the low end, that assists you to roll over. Mm. But if you did it the other way, it resists you rolling over. Yeah, okay. So one would be more abdominal base. That's the resisted version. And on the decline, you'd be assisting the stretch and release phase of the mm. exercise. And you've also got that inversion, which is the, the blood flow to the head. So they're yeah. excellent. Yeah, it definitely changes things. So uh, because you've been in this industry so long, how uh, do you feel that the industry has changed? That's a really interesting one. Uh, when I first started Pilates, it's all apprentice style. What kind of era was that? When did you begin? I began in 1988. Okay. Yeah, so... When I began, it was apprentice-style learning. 
which meant that you were with uh, a mentor and they taught you exercises and from there they helped you to understand the exercise, why you would give it to somebody, why you wouldn't give it to somebody and they would mentor you through a process that would take years. Really, yeah, to become an instructor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very individualised. And I've seen it gone go from that right the way through to what we have now as a model where a lot of instructors learn from maybe there's a handful of international trainings that are recognised internationally and they will learn all the exercises uh, for maybe a piece of equipment or at a certain level depending on how, what the approach is and then they're required then and they might be in a group of you know 20 mm. anywhere from 5 to 20 people doing the course at the same time sometimes more it depends um, if it's done in a country or done in a state within a country and from there they have to do a certain amount of hours and they do a final exam and off they go you're a teacher not necessarily having anywhere to teach just coming away with a certificate saying I've done my time that's nowadays that's where the model's headed, okay. and I have an opinion about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm interested. Um, what is it? Well, well having first of all, so that's now comparison to what, the way you were taught with your apprentice. Yes. And that was the way that people were taught for that extended period of time. Good. And how did, how did Joseph teach his apprentices? Apprentice so he, Yes, he obviously taught uh, the Pilates elders. How, how was he teaching them? So from... What I have been told, it was a system where you learnt a series of exercises on your body and then from there you started to teach those exercises on other bodies. So with the Pilates elders, you'll see within their own framework there are similar exercises, but there's also some very different styles within that. Mm. So there is a system uh, that's now called Classical Pilates, and Classical Pilates was started by uh, an elder called Ramana. What's the elder that you're referring to? That's Ramana. So there's a group of Pilates elders? Yeah. They're the, they, the elders are the ones that are cons- uh, the ones that were taught directly by Pilates okay. and, and his wife, Clara. Right, okay. So from there... And then everybody else comes down the, the, the lineage from And then you're there. saying that they all created a slightly different... Pilates, apparently... I've never met Pilates, so I can't be right. exact on this. Pilates taught each of what we consider the elders a workout on their body. And then they, um, with his uh, recognition, then started teaching other people. Okay. And their own version of yeah. it, it all just mm. it always develops yeah. mm-hmm. so the classical what we call now classical is one of the elders is Ramana so she come, came from a dance background so her if you see her work it's very beautiful on a dancer's body not necessarily uh, well adapted to your average Joe, Joe Blow and in that particular method when you l- learn an exercise it's a routine it never deviates. If your body's unable to do an exercise, then you just don't do that exercise. Sure. There, there's no adaptation. Okay. And then you've got other elders. Uh, another one was Ron Fletcher. He also came from a dance background. And he had these amazing... And his, down his lineage, the teachers who teach for... Have, uh, teaching his method 
amazing ways of getting on and off equipment that's completely choreographed. Mm. And you just watch it and you think, oh, wow. Mm. The exercise is quite similar, but how you got on and off, it's just a routine. It was stunning. And then there's Eve Gentry, and Eve Gentry came more from a, um, a performing arts background. And she, her style was very gentle, uh, more rehab-focused in her own way. It was uh, not as athletic right. as her style. So you got some lovely stretches from her work. Uh, very, very, very different from Ron Fletcher's and Romana's um, style of teaching. And there's a few more. Sure. That, that's just a, a snapshot of, yeah. of what I've learned uh, from being at different courses. And then for people who don't know, there's also obviously contemporary Pilates. So maybe you can explain what contemporary Pilates is and how it differs from classical. Yes. So there's two main considered groups in the Pilates industry now. One's classical Pilates and one's contemporary Pilates. So I've talked about the classical Pilates, a routine that you learn. And the contemporary Pilates comes more from a background, well, this is the work that we've learned. These are the machines that Pilates designed and developed. But we're taking the work with modern research and biomechanics and someone, say, with your background, with the rehab... And we're blending it all together to suit what's now considered the best practice when it comes to exercise, rehabilitation, fitness. Particularly with uh, emphasis on pelvic floor, there's been a lot of changes there. Um, Pelvic floor exercises and a lot of uh, hyperextension and hyperflexion within Pilates too. Correct, correct. And it's an saying like an open source of um, not open source so much as it's always moving with what's happening now at at the highest level at the best practice level and Mm -hmm. that filters down so I may be dealing with a student who's come from um, say another background and they may not have learnt what's going on with modern research but everyone's coming together and mm. trying to help each sure. other to continue that education so we we open, openly welcome professionals from other modalities yeah. mm. to assist us in being a better teacher mm. a better instructor and this also means that some of the original exercises have variations to absolutely them to help other people be able to move into these postures and And one of the things I do as an instructor trainer is I take a classical exercise and I try and break it down to the point where you're just standing sitting or lying on your back so it can be taken from its most complex form to the easiest form possible so you're showing your instructors how to move yeah or how to take somebody at their level yeah and build them Mm -hmm. towards you know something fully functional and yeah. your example with you two working together with the mm. from your post injury is yeah. exactly well, what Well, it's really is. interesting. Keith doesn't know, but he was actually teaching me a lot of Pilates. <laughs> <laughs> so we were lying on the side doing clams and then like side leg lifts and things like that, obviously. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> you do a lot of Pilates yeah, apparently in your rehab. We're dealing with back pain and kind of... It, it's all It all funnels into the same body the same system the same activation mechanism the same coordination patterns the same things need to be fixed before you can progress 
so a lot of the stuff that I've learned from my experience with working with physios and doctors and courses and just I've never I've never even done a Pilates class but the basic foundational core activation and glute activation you know when you strip it down to I need to do this with this muscle and make this happen Caroline's telling me that they look very similar um, it's just you know the standard pelvic activation the core activation feel your transab all that kind of mm. basic stuff yeah lying on your back legs in tabletop move the legs away yeah. engage your tummy like yeah but I would right. come at it from a very different angle yeah. you yeah. know but it's the base it's, it's obviously similar to the what you would do in a Pilates class and that would be my experience of Pilates is that I know there's certain physios who in clinics they run you know Pilates rehab sessions to re- re-educate people's core um, but uh, I know there's a few of my old clients who have sort of I couldn't get them to where they needed to be in the gym setting so I know one girl in particular went off to a Pilates class and like a year and a half later, she loves it. She was a gym junkie. She was a, she wanted to put a barbell on her back. She wanted to do all this, like that stuff. That's what made her feel good. But as soon as she'd go for a run, she'd be in back pain. And we went, we went through everything. I stripped it all the way down. Just couldn't get the right results. So sent her off to a physio who I knew had the same kind of approach as, as I do from a core activation perspective, but also they can do the manual releasing and the treatment stuff. So that was right. You need to see this person. And she loved the Pilates. And I see her now. She's still going. I see on it through her social media. She's still going week after week after week, early morning classes. It's just she's found what fits her body. You know, she's found what, what really helps her. Um, so, you know, I think everybody can slot into these different disciplines wonderfully i think you sort of just need to expose yourself to them but i'm still yet to try a pilates class i have another client who's a middle-aged guy trader kind of white collar type a he's does a lot of rowing on the water every single saturday without fail he's in a pilates class and he's doing a lot of I'll probably butcher this, so apologies. <laughs> but he's doing a lot of like he'll stand on one leg and he'll have one foot on the on the cushion that slides. He That's faces he faces front ways, he faces sideways, he faces this way. He lies on his back, and he just ignites his glutes and his core. And like what he describes to me, it sounds like torture. As in, like from a good workout perspective, it's not a lie on the ground and like now hold two, three, four. From what he's telling me, it's like. Pfft, I don't want to go to that class. I'll be made a fool of. I won't be. I won't have the stamina for that. Oh, you would. Why he describes, I don't know. Is the one of the things, the nuances about Pilates, which I love, is that you actually get someone in, in at their level. Yeah, so you yeah. find their point. So you wouldn't be doing his workout. No, but I'd be looking at him feeling in, inadequate, thinking, uh-oh, I'm supposed to be the trainer here and I can't even. Oh, no. <laughs> so he, from that instance, I don't want to go. But that's just purely me being scared. Don't be. (laughs) Yeah, well, just to, like, digress a little bit, it made me think when you guys were talking about how, like, Pilates has changed massively because your friend's going to a group scenario, right? Uh, Or is he going to an individual? He's going to him and his work colleague will go to a teacher. Oh, okay. I think there's two of them, uh, maybe three at most, but they all know each other. It's like a private shared session. It's a semi-private. Yeah, Yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. And that's even more individualized when you you have that. The instructor might give that exercise that you're talking about to one of them, Mm. but the other two may be doing something harder or easier within the same framework. 
So yeah. using that same idea of firing the glutes, proprioceptive, the balance, etc., yeah. all of that. But she might be taking it up a notch and getting one of them to balance on a, a wobble, yeah, something's yeah. wobbling or down a notch, or holding onto something. There'll be something in there for everybody to get the same results at their level. Yeah, exactly. So see, Keith, you would be able to do the class. What are you no, talking about? I assume that I will, for sure. Because I, like, I, I do want to experience it because... And it's interesting. Well, from my, mm. yeah, from my own perspective, I could go to a class and I could learn a whole new set of exercises that I'm just not aware of now. Because what I find when I do yoga classes, I'm thinking about the, the muscle that's in that position. I'm thinking, I'm like, I can't really disconnect from it. I'm too anatomical. I'm too, what's the word? analytical yeah like I'm, re- I'm thinking about what's happening like oh this is nice for this and this is nice for that and this is a cool thing and oh that's a bit stiff okay so I would I would look for that in the Pilates class right? I, yes. I want to learn some new things here because I want to take it to the mat with the gym with the person who needs to fix their knee or they fix their, their back so I'd be totally open to doing a, a Pilates class from that perspective but I, th- I don't know if it would be the type of thing that uh, like I would leave feeling in- internally better you know for me I, like i respond very well to yoga i respond to stress like we spoke to one of uh the local physios here we were talking about over yogaing but she had she'd kind of turned a couple of phrases of you've got the stiffies and the floppies yes she's also an aussie yeah she was an aussie <laughs> yes. very technical term yeah and it sounds like she's physio size trained which yeah. is an excellent modality yeah. yeah and she was saying how like the stiffies are who are like all tight, bunged up, need to go and do maybe some yoga as part of as part of their overall exercise, not completely shift, but but just get involved in that. And then the floppies, the people that she was saying are over yoga over yoga ing were the ones who uh you know, they're super flexible but they don't have any strength in that end range. Yes. So they can get into the position, they can bend around, they can twist, but they're still getting back pain. And they they usually have a proprioceptive deficit it's called so they don't understand where their body is in space Mm. so what we're doing in pilates is teaching that person to understand perfect form so rather than going woo all the way back there they learn that actually no you stop here get control of the pattern yeah so you teach them i call it um perfect movement as a as a routine so they know that every single time they do that movement they end at this point they just so they're completely present in what they do yeah it's really tricky to turn to teach a hypermobile person perfection which is where ballet comes in handy because that taught me that skill so i then give that to the hypermobile i also find from that the stiffies point of view is that sometimes yoga is a little too much for them because they go into a yoga class and they feel like they're a failure. Well, yeah, that happens. Because yeah. they can't bend. Yeah. So I find the stiffies also work beautifully in Pilates because Pilates essentially isn't held stretches. It stretches through movement. Mm-hmm. So you take them into their ranges and by the end of class, I've got one example of a client. He's, I call him my, my baby giraffe. He's six foot four, and when he comes into class, he can only touch his shin bones. But yeah. his goal in his head is to be able to touch his toes. By not doing any stre- specific stretches by the end of the class, he can get down to his toes. And it's just his thing. He yeah. wants to be able to do that. So it really does help a very stiff person feel like they're actually yeah. getting something or getting mm. somewhere without sticking them in positions where they think, this feels terrible. 
and I can't do what you're asking me to do. Yeah. So I find from, from both the either end of the spectrum, Pilates is perfect if you're working with, of course, an experienced instructor who understands those nuances. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's like uh, you, you get the same results from treating the body as a whole, don't you? Like you get them moving, you get their nervous system to get more comfortable with these, these new positions, these new patterns. You, you're imprinting it in the brain, like you're saying, the perfect movement. Instead of just like the difference between flexibility and mobility, as I was kind of taught, was you have somebody who can stand, you have two people, one can just put their foot up on the other person's shoulders and touch their toes, that's kind of flexible. But can they lift their legs slowly bring it up, just tip the shoulder and then bring the leg all the way back down without losing any sort of control or balance. That's, that's the difference. Like, You can might be able to bring your hamstring and your glutes and your, your back into that position, yeah. but can you control that all the way to the end and back? And There's a huge difference in those two people, one that can and one that can't. Correct. Um, so that would be where your Pilates comes in, that slow, controlled, you know, defined movement patterns where you really have to focus on on controlling it and you're also working against uh resistance quite often it's a spring so that you get as well that eccentric phase of movement which uh going back to that exercise you're talking about with your friend where they they got their glutes firing is that you're pushing against a weight to go back but if you just let go the bed will come flying back and you'll come off your balance so you're actually teaching people how to through the resistance is to keep the um, to always be adapting to what the weight of the spring is versus the less spring because the spring gets heavier as you you move further away yeah, from yeah, it, lighter yeah. as you come further yeah, back it's, together. It's so there's a, there's another little skill going on there as well, which you can either point out to your client or not, depending on their level of. Yeah interest in what's really going on in the background here what am i really teaching you some clients are very interested in that yeah i think for sure when you can educate people on what they're doing on to, in a way that they can understand it and digest it often you get people's interest don't you you just boom and once they get the buy-in then you can show them their progressions much more tangibly that's right and when you see the light bulb go yeah. off for the first time you think yes yeah 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 because you, pro- you have the buy-in then and you have the person right this is it i understand that i get what i'm doing and um from and you probably understand this from a rehab point of view if say i'm working with someone with a a disc issue and i'm teaching them about their core i'm going to say disc issue a, a disc bulge and um i'm explaining to them okay we really need to strengthen your legs you need to learn how to get up and down off the floor without bending your back over in a certain direction and then I start to watch them move um, and I'm just relating it to this like a squat basically and then I get them to move and I suddenly okay so did you know what you just did yeah. they're bending over from their back they're not bending from their legs and through the exercises I'm teaching them I'm teaching them how to do this and then I watch them functionally do things as well bring them back to the yeah. do you know what you just did and we start practicing simple things like they start. I start to get them to manipulate the bed themselves, as in to change springs. I get them to squat down, doing it correctly. Yeah. And but not just as an exercise, as a, just a simple movement. Yeah. Coming down, lifting your heels, coming right down into a you know into a crouch, explaining them to the lower you go, you're you're actually going to be tucking under slightly as you go down. So do you need to use your hand to help you get down? Mm-hmm. Just trying to make things functional for them um so one of the questions that i think people might be interested in is particularly um if you're already 
or entering the fitness industry, what would your advice be to people who want to be Pilates teachers um, and who, who are brand new? Say they've gone to class and they love it and they want to develop more. What would you advise them? So the first thing I'd suggest to them is to go away and to first train in a reputable anatomy and physiology course. And I'd also suggest to them to marry themselves up with a studio and a mentor who they really like to work with they've got a connection with that's that's really important mm. one of the things I've seen going from apprentice style as I learnt through to a handful of international training systems is that it's lost the benefits that I had I spent uh, the first five or so years of my career in a medical centre being mentored by osteopaths, acupuncturists, physiotherapists. Mm. We had this amazing Pilates room that had doors coming off it. The practitioner would take their uh, client in, do whatever they need to do, bring them out, introduce me and say, this is what I need you to do. Knowing that they didn't know Pilates, they were open about that, but knowing that if they said to me, this is the sort of movement I need you to be doing with this person and I would say this is what I'm thinking of and we would discuss in front of the client it would mm. all be together and off we go into a session that doesn't happen anymore yeah very rarely so mm. a go and get your anatomy and physiology training actually b get your, your first aid mm. so that you know how to deal with the situation if it occurs very rare that it does but I think it's important that you have that strong background and presuming that the person who's interested in learning Pilates has already done a lot of Pilates themselves so that's also key so if you wanted to be a mat work instructor that you've done a lot of mat work already you'd recommend go like join a class for an extended period of time extended period of time and not necessarily limiting yourself I think this is important not limiting mm. yourself to a particular style of Pilates yeah to I think that's going important. around experiencing everybody's um, different styles we were lucky enough in Australia that there was only two studios I knew of when I started teaching Pilates and we had in, uh, people come internationally to come and uh, continue education for us mm. so everyone in Sydney and really around Australia knew each other we all went to the same courses together. We all trained in all these different international methods. And these, these days I see people going to do a particular style and calling themselves a particular style of instructor, but never branching out to learn from you know, other styles. Mm. So we did complete certifications in everyone's styles. Now you do a certification in someone's style and you might do a bit of continuing education in that style. So I highly recommend mm. broadening um, what you're doing yeah. and I went to a course just recently on multiple sclerosis and chatting to a lady who was there going oh I love this work I wish I'd done this certification and I said to her well why don't you sure because I paid all this money to do this other course I said well do another one hmm. you know you don't have to do the whole certification course but why not you know learn yeah I think that the mentor thing that you were describing is so important. Like you were my mentor. <laughs> so I, I learned from you. And one of the things that I um, I remember so much is 
I think when I started working for you, I was like 19 and I remember always being in the studio and there was Barry and there was Sandy and there was you and there was Rachel and there was Tim and everybody was so smart (laughs) that I literally used to listen to everyone and just listen to you guys talking and whenever I did anything silly or wrong, I remember having a lot of support there Um, and whether I was aware of it or not you were always watching me and always like okay you're ready now to do this or you're ready to do this or you're let's rethink this so I think that's such an important and really valuable um, valuable piece of advice for people who are moving into that is to really find someone that can support their journey and their growth um, and who has their best interest as well in mind. And aligning yourself into that mentorship as well, I think, is uh, a privilege from both uh, parties. Um, so oh, gosh. I <laughs> thoroughly enjoy being a mentor mm. and watching someone grow and, and also the ideas that they bring to the table for me as well as um, the benefits I know that I can give to someone if I'm mentoring them. And for me, mentoring is a commitment it's something that I actually want to spend time with the person and I want to spend mm. years with the person. I don't necessarily want them just working for me either. I want them to go out there and work for other people and even volunteer themselves into a position like I had the benefit of of being within the framework of an experienced physiotherapist or osteopath mm. um, that they can spend time with. Yeah, I remember for us help. when I was training with you, you uh, recommended that we all go and work with Susie, Susie Bond, the physiotherapist. Um, so that's what we were all doing at the time, and that was obviously very useful and helpful. Mm. And I don't think you can put a price on that kind of education, particularly if you're volunteering yourself to spend time with somebody. Mm. Uh, it's it, it's Invaluable. Yeah, it definitely. So, from a relatively recently qualified Pilates instructor who's gone into work for a studio, who's then trying to plan their pathway to opening their own facility, what sort of things do they need to consider? Like, what what are the? Yeah, because you've been there and done all of that. What's your advice? Yeah, like the, what, Sorry. No, yeah, yeah. That was it. That's what I was getting mm. to. What do they need to? What do they not know just yet that they need to? <laughs> attention to I'm going to bring this back to a personal note Um, when I first started teaching I learned a routine and I taught people that routine I learned from experience things that worked and things that didn't work I had the mentorship of the 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 staff at the medical centre after teaching for three years I thought I was awesome I thought I was so good Mm. I realised after teaching for five years I was not so good I was a lot better it took me a decade before I thought oh I think I've really nailed this and you know at 25 years later I'm still going to courses and going oh wow that's good mm. I'm still uh, broadening my my yeah. knowledge base I'm uh, so I would suggest that you never stop learning that you are always open to the new things that are coming in, the new research that's coming in. You plan your year around times that are just for you to absorb and to learn new things, even if it's not directly Pilates. Yeah. Mm. Even if it's something like, uh, say... 
yoga. Yeah, I was going to say there must yoga. be a course yeah. between Pilates and yoga. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I've I've done courses in um, NLP, which is neuro linguistic training. Um, I've done. Uh, Courses. Simon's anatomy course. I've done Simon Borg Olivia's mm. um, yoga anatomy and physiology, applied anatomy and physiology. That was so amazing. Mm. I went back three years in a row. Yeah, just yeah. to I've learn. I've done his course as well. It's pretty amazing. Incredible. <laughs> I so know. not just He's limiting yourself to the Pilates man. industry, but yeah. being really open to. I've been lucky enough to be able to sit in on a few things with um, physiotherapists, which normally wouldn't be open to a, a Pilates instructor. Yeah, yeah. But just for whatever reason, they let me sit in, in on it. And what I learned from that. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always that. Yeah, I think that's something very, yeah, very, very important to always keep learning. Because it also may, means that you as an individual are invigorated within your own field of practice. As opposed to, I've been doing this like 50 hours a day, I'm so tired. And you get into this routine of just being like mundane and not excited or yeah. not reinvigorated because you're doing the same thing every day and you're not learning. And, and doing that gives you the ability to like stay excited about your profession. And one of the things, uh, I think um, going to do yo- uh, the yoga, applied anatomy and physiology with Simon Borg, Olivia, was that he taught me something that I'd learned in ballet, which is co-activating um, joint complexes in ballet you have to learn to do that so that you understand where you are in space that's that proprioceptive um, deficit I was talking about when you're hypermobile which you need as a dancer you have to have that flexibility to get to the ranges that they expect you to get to so he taught me he brought that back to me which I'd lost that through my Pilates teaching Mm. and he also taught me ways of doing things to keep hypermobile bodies safe again which I didn't realize Simple things like if you're going into a big uh, back extension to co-activate your hip joint complex by turning your legs in, big toes together, heels apart. Simple things like that will stop you from whacking into your flexibility mm-hmm. and it will actually bring you, know, bring you back so that you're not in your most flexible position, you're in your strong yeah. and flexible position. You're in your more mid-range than end-range. Absolutely, yeah. and that awareness of how to do that. So that completely changed how I taught Pilates. So he's been a major influence in what I've done. If I'd only stayed with the Pilates industry, I wouldn't know that. Yeah. Mm. And I wouldn't have reflected back on what I'd learned with my ballet and brought a whole uh, sort of sphere of things back into my, my work. So, and also the neuro-linguistic programming, understanding how different people learn. And by understanding how different people learn, you can show a visual person how to do something by doing it with them that's how they how they'll pick it up a kinesthetic person learns by feel so you hold onto their body and you move their body through space an auditory person will need to hear the details or hear what's going on and they'll also need to ask you a lot of questions so that you'll know the person who's butting into your class every time may not be a great person for a group class they're going to be a better person in a class that's smaller where they can have a chat to you about what's going on. Mm. And then you've got your auditory digital people who are into detail. So they're the people who like to write the manuals. So understanding that from that perspective, you really need to give them the fine details because that's how they get it. Mm. So they want to know the science behind it. The science is what makes them buzz. So it's I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't done that course. Mm. And then also understanding you as a professional, how you learn and how you teach and how you interact with those people. That's that's important too. Yeah, it's like um, 
it's like if I mean I've never done any sort of trade but I imagine somebody who's been working in a wood cutting shop all of a sudden they're working there for five ten years all of a sudden they get a new tool it's like wow now look what I can do do you know it's a whole new t- it's a brand new tool it's a, they can make a brand new finish on the product they can add something to previous products you know that's a great way of putting it it's, it's that kind of like I have a new thing I can use I don't have to go I don't have to shift my whole style and philosophy towards this but this is now in my pocket I can take I can use it whenever I need um, what would you say so going a bit more administrative and business wise uh, what mm. advice would you have for people like coming out like coming out of the maybe instructor very busy instructor you couple of people working but it's still you've not gone to take a loan a business plan that kind of thing like where would people get their steer where would you steer people that way so I would suggest having a, a good booking system. I, f- I find that you have uh, instructors, and instructors will know this or people will know this about themselves. They're, they're good at the, the moving and the teaching side but maybe not good at the administrative side. So if you know that's you, get a, a, a computer system in place where it can do it for you um, or not do it for you. You've just got to input the the just the right amount of data for it to churn out what it needs to churn out so that you can give that to your accountant or give that mm-hmm. to your bookkeeper. So understand your strengths and weaknesses and also plan your time because really where you're most important to your business is in the business. The business working around you has to happen so that you have got um, your banking done and, and these things take time. Yeah. So... The Pilates industry tends to be an industry where you work with people before work and you work with people after work. That's just where most people have got their time. And you get your young mums. You get that small period after school drop-off that you can work with them. So that that period of time in the afternoon, that's your key time for getting those business things done. Uh, If you find you're too tired to do that, maybe you work an extra hour during the morning and say to yourself, well, this is earning me this much money, so I'm going to put this much money towards what I'm really bad at which is maybe a bookkeeper mm. yeah. or, or something like that. So does that help? Does that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think a lot of people have grandiose ideas of like, I'm going to be this, I'm going to, when they're going to open my own studio. Because yeah. I think that's a natural career progression for anybody. They, they're a, a, a student first, then they become a teacher. And then once they've been in the industry a long time, most people eventually want to open their own studio and the the knowledge gap is is huge between being an instructor and being a business owner and And i think sorry Mm. no i just i had to butt in on that one there's also the important thing to remember if you're going to go and open your own studio particularly with the pilates method and yoga because it's very as i've been told by one of my friends on trend to Mm. become a a, an instructor that the industry is already saturated with studios, with instructors. So when you become or you'd like to become instructor, don't expect that you're going to go out there and suddenly have all these clients because most people who want to do Pilates are already doing Pilates. There's not as many people now, new people coming in because it's it's, it's had its... its, uh, What's the word for that? It's peaked. Sure. Mm -hmm. It's peaked. So if someone wants to become an instructor, I tell them it's vocation to be an instructor it's not necessarily a career that if you get one client and keep that client that's a start yeah 
then you'll get your next client and your next client. And there's always going to be that attrition rate. You know, some people go, oh, it's not for me. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very slow burner to build a clientele. So just mm. be aware of that. Keep your day job. Build mm. yourself up before work, after work. And just understand it's a it's a person by person, yeah. you know, mm. build. And what lessons um. did you learn about <laughs> building your business? Luckily for me, I was at the beginning. You were so in early. I was in early, so <laughs> I. Yeah, Helen, why don't you tell tell everybody about that? Because you have a phenomenal career. You basically brought Pilates to Australia. No, I didn't. <laughs> No, I did not. Uh, I was um, there's already two in, two studios in mm. in Sydney that I knew of when I started teaching Pilates, and um, what I did do for the industry though is I bought the mat work uh, to the first gym in Australia, which mm. was in Sydney, and I taught the first instructors how to teach a mat work class for the industry mm. and I also bought the first reformer classes to Australia. I imported the machines myself. Very soon after that, one of the the big um, companies who import equipment became affiliated with uh, the the equipment owners. So I did that. Um, so and I of course became the first instructor trainer in Australia for that method. This is all inspired by a man named Rail Isaac Howitz, mm. who I'd done some instructor training with. He used to before our courses run a mat work class every single morning, and I remember. Being an ex-dancer, I loved working in a group and I remember doing these classes and everyone just working together in this beautiful sequence of movement and I thought to myself, wow, I'd really like to do this with people mm-hmm. and I'm a, naturally, I'm a groupie. I love doing things with groups of people. So that he inspired me to start that mm-hmm. and I, I can't thank him enough for that and that's from there, there was a trigger where I was asked to then teach Pilates for TV so no one really knew about Pilates at that point. It was so as it was the first time to go into a gym, it was just starting to get that, ooh, ooh, this could be the latest thing, the new thing. And then once I took Pilates to TV, suddenly people were going, oh, Pilates. Mm. And that was in 2001. So in Australia since 2001, it's just exploded mm. to now where it's completely oversaturated. Um, and... Yeah, I suppose that's my story. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question. Where do you think, because you've seen the industry grow and change so much, where do you think it's heading? What do you What do you foresee as some of the changes that might happen? And where are you going? Hmm. Well, one of my, it's actually a worry really, is because I've seen it go from the, the big, the big boom is that because of the oversaturation, I worry about the quality. There's really good sound, um, knowledgeable, knowledgeable uh, studios with teachers that have been teaching for, for decades like I have. And then there's all these little new ones coming up who haven't got the experience, but they really know what to do with social media. Yeah. See, yeah. you know, yeah. my, my colleagues, we're, we're social media immigrants. Yeah. We've mm. got no idea. We're flying by the seat of our pants and, you know, posting things here and there, getting a feel for it. Really, we're doing it for fun for our clients. But what worries me is that um, you're f- going to get the people with no experience but you know, all the rah-rah-rah. Hijacking it. Yeah, and I've seen some really good studios close over the last Mm. couple of years because the 
uh, the business owners have just gotten tired. It just ends up being such a hard slog to get one new client through the door because, uh, say, in the area that I work in, I was the first Pilates studio in that area. Now there's between 10 and 15. No way. I know. What? I know. In Double Bay? Incredible. Wow. Yeah, they're everywhere. And so, that's just this one little um, yeah. hub yeah. that you, co- you go I to. I remember when I lived in Sydney, there was Pilates Moves and Elixir. And that was more of a and gym. And Elixir was years after me. Yeah. yeah. But and that, that was, was that, that was in Bondi Junction. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that, that's, oh. it's a worry for me because I just see oversaturation, less quality, um, and instructors and studios that I know are really good but are disheartened because you need to be able to keep a business yeah. going mm. and sustain yeah. it. Particularly because now everything's on social media. So, there is this false sense of, uh, oh, because you have a lot of followers, you're, you're the expert. Yeah. Um, I've seen that a lot with yoga teachers who are literally brand new. They've just done their teacher training, but because they can do a handstand and they photograph that handstand so well, and they, they have... fabulous poses. Yeah, yeah, they have a million followers and they've been teaching yoga for two months. And it's, it's a worry because people deem them as the expert, whereas the expert in their field has never been on social media and, and isn't. And, and quite often doesn't really want to be. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I have colleagues like that. Yeah, yeah. Super, super smart people in their own discipline. And they just, it's, social media is just not their thing. Yeah. I don't blame them. It, yeah. takes, it takes time. I've had to um, develop that side of the business uh, because it's part of, well, with my um, with my partner Greg, him recognizing that it's actually just part of your brand. It's something you have to do. And I was like, Oh, really? Yeah. Do I, I? I was like that. I didn't want to yeah. do it at the beginning. And you just gotta. That, unfortunately, that's where people's attention is. So you need to sort of get in with your elbows and try yeah. and. And that's where the community, a community association, also is yeah. because people who are going to the studio are also on social media and they want to be a part of that community. So as a business, it's something that's important for people to partake in. But at the same time, it's there can be such a false sense of um, expertise yes. and knowledge. Yeah. yeah, you just have to assume that at the end of the day, the quality stands out. In the, you know people's feet do the walking it's just now it's a lot noisier it's a lot of a thicker jungle to get through it is and you've just you've got to get that person in the door yeah so if you can't get them in the door Mm. then they're never going to have the opportunity to see you know what is what is best practice um and i've had some people have come to me and they've done the shop round the area yeah they've done it gone and done you know and they've actually gone and experienced the different classes because they weren't quite sure you know, um, what What's they were going to yeah. like. And then they arrive at the studio and they go, oh, this is what it's meant to be about. They're suddenly they've got someone who's not looking at themselves in the mirror while they're yeah. teaching them an exercise. Or on their phone. Because you're actually teaching them. You know their name. You, you're interested in their body and what's going on. So that's – you still got to get them in the door. Yeah. Mm. And that's a, that's a hard one. Do you uh, foresee any other areas that the industry is going to move in or grow or – No, I, I, I shouldn't say no. Personally, I don't see Pilates as the B end and it's, it's, mm. I don't think it's the, the only thing that someone should be doing. So for me, it's having a more well-rounded practice. So it, it's um, a Pilates instructor who limits themselves to Pilates is limited. I, in the studios, do uh, something called anti-gravity fitness – 
which is uh, basically aerials in the silks. And it gives you something that Pilates is never, ever going to give you. It has a decompression element to the spine without... This is where people are hanging from the ceiling yeah i love it (laughs) It, and it's incredible uh and it's and there's another facet which i teach is called bar and with bar what i love about bar is that i'm watching people dynamically move move to music and i think that they've got it absolutely nailed when they're in a pilates class they do it so beautifully i see them do a bar class and go okay well i need to fix that because that ain't working Mm. so you just see them move how they would move when you're just giving them cues and like, okay then. Yeah, it's more dynamic. It's more dynamic as opposed so to being I so controlled. Get to see the little sneaky the variables, things. Yeah. Mm. The variables. Yeah. So I, I use all of those three things in the studio. I've got another uh, two of the instructors who are um, yoga instructors. So they bring in that stretch element to what they're doing. I just it's it's just the well-rounded approach. Mm. I have um, been seeing a lot of Pilates fusions um, where it's fusing particularly, so Les Mills has the first one and it was like yoga, Tai Chi, is it Tai Chi? Yoga, Tai Chi and Pilates. Then you see like Yoga Lattes where it's yoga and Pilates and you see lots of fusions manifesting. I love it. Mm. If you've got a good teacher uh, who is fusing different movements because, I, in my opinion, you can't own a movement. You, you can't own a, a type of exercise yeah. or a, a movement. Uh, so I love all of that. Um, but as I said, I'll just repeat that it's done by an instructor who knows what they're doing yeah. and they have been taught well. And uh, from my perspective, coming from a dance background where you're always learning different types of movement, uh, it's it, that open approach I think is really important. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks so much, Helen, for joining us today. Um, if people want to find you on social media, how do they do that? So uh, my two companies are Pilates Moves and Emergy Pilates, and you can get both of those through Instagram, Facebook, Facebook yeah. website. Yeah. yeah. Just add those names. Repeat the names. So it's at Pilates Moves and at Emergy Pilates. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Cool. Thanks so much, yeah, Helen. Thanks very much. Bye, guys. Bye.